Good morning. I'm Ryan. And I'm Yovana, and this is Wildest Dreams Podcast, the podcast that digs deep into the dreams of our listeners. Welcome to a special episode. Um, a very special episode. Uh, um, uh, from now on, a Patre- this episodes like these will be a Patreon exclusive episode. Yovana, what did we? What uh, what do we have in store today for the listeners? Okay, so today we have tarot and testimonials, which is our interview segment where we talk to some of the people that have given us some of their dreams to interpret. Um, we really, we get to know them. Some of these folks, you know, at least one of us already has a relationship with. So we get to meet them together. We get to learn about their lives, about their history with dreaming and about why this particular dream they felt like held enough weight to send it to us. Um, And then we wrap it up with a tarot reading. So once again, tarot and testimonials. Um, If you go to our Patreon, you can figure out which tier fits best for you. But if you are looking for more content like this, choose the tier that has (laughs) tarot and testimonials as a benefit. Um, But yeah, so today we... I, I don't even know how to describe what happened. Like that was beautiful. Like literally mm-hmm. shaken to my core. I am so, so grateful that we got to do this today. Yes. So our first um, tarot and testimonial today was with Andrea who sent in um, season two, we, uh, a dream uh, about- Peculiar she had. Premonition. There we go. Is the episode. Um, yes, so our, season our season two finale. finale. So we get to talk to her today about about that dream um, and about sort of the, I think we landed on empathetic sort of feelings that Andrea was really able to pick up and sort of the um, generational empathetic. um, Yeah. Not powers, but sort of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Andrea's a witch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you get to learn about the ways in which Andrea's a witch. Um, But yeah, if you are like newer in our audience highly suggest you listen to that episode before you listen to this interview um there are a lot of direct references to that episode and it would just make it i think personally in my opinion easier for you mm-hmm. to situate yourself within some of the decisions that andre makes um and some of the just like just understand like where she's coming from that dream gives us so much into the like insight of what we base the interview structure off of. Yeah. And even so much insight, I think, into um, things surrounding Andrea's life that she didn't really know had such, like, I feel like we really had a breakthrough even at the end. Um, She was sort of undecided about what she wanted to, you know, she's in law school. She decided undecided about what's next, um, what path to go. And by the end, I feel like we really, she well she seems to always have had she seems to know what she wants to do and she seems to always have known that but um through the conversation she had not talked herself into it but i think came to the realization that nudge. she knows what she if you yeah yeah you'll, it was, you'll see was the some switch. clarification yeah it, you'll exactly. see a switch um and so, it feels really special to be a part of that moment and like watching her brain work that way yeah just i i love what we do it is so unorthodox um but like i said i think on accident we very much have slid into the sector of um self-help 
almost. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and this was just kind of like, it's, it's nice to be able to be in conversation with people like this because oftentimes, you know, we put the episode out and then they'll shoot us a text message or a DM on Instagram and they'll be like, bro, that was wild. And now I'm going to confront my mom. I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> like okay. you know, thank you so much. But then like, that's oftentimes right. where the correspondence stops, like that we have maybe a few exchanges back and forth. Um, and then we don't really know months down the line how, or I guess what happens when that information begins to settle. So this was so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very very and yeah really meaningful in an exciting way so um again yeah so if you listen throughout season three we are going to have a you know some of our episodes are going to be not exactly us dreaming you know dream interpretation um but we wanted to give you a taste here of what um if you are interested or can support us on patreon what that what some of those perks are going to look like um yeah, including today's. So if, and uh, again, if you're on a certain tier, you'll have not just the testimonial, but the um, recording as well. So you'll get to see us yeah. actually have that conversation. So check us out over there. Um, that's, you know, if you can support us, how you can support us, different ways to, so there are different ways to support us. So um, just give it a look-see. Thank you for your future support. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about, today's episode i hope you all enjoy the link for our patreon will be in our show notes um as well as on our website and yeah we're just going to go ahead and take this little bit of an awkward pause to just go ahead and segue directly into our recording of our interview for our tarot and testimonials our first ever tarot and testimonials with andrea all right hello and welcome uh yeah to this part of the episode (laughs) the tarot and testimonials our first one there we go okay thank you tarot and testimonials this is um eventually will be patreon exclusive content but until then we wanted to give everybody a um just a taste of what we were doing and uh get everybody a chance to hear and talk to and with um today's guest andrea welcome and hello (laughs) hey everyone how are, we're really how are excited you? to have Andrea. Um, I'm yeah. good. I'm, <laughs> I'm just an hour behind y'all, just waking up because it's my day. You're in Texas, I mean, right? I am. I'm in Southwest Texas, San Antonio. Southwest Texas. Big news week for Texas. <laughs> we don't have to talk about it. It's fine. We don't. We don't. It's just been <laughs> this a... This is a safe, happy place. <laughs> terrible time to be in Texas. <laughs> Um, so what are you doing in Texas? Tell us a little about yourself, Andrea. So I am in my last year of law school. Law school is three years, so I am finally in my third year. Um, I moved here in 2019, and unfortunately, 2020 was all virtual. So I've spent half of my law school career online. So that's been very challenging in itself. But I'm excited to be in person, I guess, so far. I'm hoping we go back into online because I'm in Texas. And again, no one can do anything right. Um, but so far I'm hanging on, hoping to graduate in May and be done with school forever. Cannot wait. I can't believe you're already almost through law school and I'm on the outside of it. So I'm sure I can't imagine being on the inside of it, but I mean, like, so Andrea and I met 
for the listeners, Andrea and I met in college back to freshman year at UNCG, UNC Greensboro, but you had actually just come from Texas. So you're from Texas, went to Greensboro, and now are back in Texas. Yes, correct. I was born and raised in Laredo, Texas, which is a little border town, um, just like two hours south of San Antonio. And I graduated high school, didn't really know what I wanted to do. My mom was living in Greensboro, so she was like, come up here, um, apply to UNCG on a whim, apply to live in Faust on a whim. Um, and literally that's been, I think the most life-changing for me to like leave my border town, go to Greensboro, live mm-hmm. there for eight years. I got to work in immigration in Greensboro and use my bilingual skills there. And that's mm-hmm. what prompted me to come back to San Antonio, well, to come back to Texas essentially. The law school I'm at, it's the only law school in Southwest Texas. All the other law schools are like UT, A&M, and they're all in North Texas. Mm. So really most of the minorities and Hispanics end up coming to St. Mary's. And so I just felt like this was home. It didn't feel as competitive. It didn't feel as cutthroat as law school, as movies make law school out to seem, and as I'm sure they are. So I decided to come here. And so I came with the intention to do immigration law, but I have dabbled in conservation law and disaster law. Um, in a state law. So we'll just kind of see where I end up, but I definitely want to use my, my skills to advocate for, for the voiceless and to just uplift, uplift voices that are not really being heard right now in our legal system. So that's what I want to do. So we'll see where I end up. I'm just like (laughs) rooting for you the whole way. I'm like, holy shit. That's so awesome. You know, like you're doing the really, you're doing the hard work and that's really really cool you were just There's doing something so special about when people understand that it's not just about what you can gain but like what your community gains from your involvement in it so I'm really excited I know that like doesn't it might not have a lot to do with me <laughs> um but I'm really excited like I think that it just always not I don't want to say inspires me because that sounds like like girl boss inspiration and that's not what I mean but it like makes me really excited to see the way that like people in our like age cohort have decided that like the world world, oh my god (laughs) the world will be better off if we like understand what happens when we work together and when we work in the process for each other absolutely it's all about coalition but people really it's like one side or the other when really it's like no we're all here we all got to do you know like everything intersects like when, whether you want to believe it or not everything intersects and the legal yeah. system intersects with everything so yeah literally i think a lot of people like learn that like um specifically like during the pandemic they're realizing like oh first of all capitalism is dumb second of all capitalism is killing us um, and there are like so many little things that like we all like are doing and contributing to that are just building this like brighter tomorrow, but it's, it's still scary, you know, yeah. it's still scary, but we're not here to talk about what's scary. We're here to talk about <laughs> <laughs> literally anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to ask really quick before we start talking about your dreams, you were just, how, are you still doing what, what were you just doing this summer? Because you were just doing some pretty cool, um, work this summer with some people too. So given COVID and being remote, um, I feel like there were blessings and curses about being remote. A lot of opportunities were open for people who could otherwise not work far away or, you know, afford to relocate for the summer and work across the country, which was the case for me. I got a job out of DC, Washington, DC for Defenders of Wildlife, which um, advances 
the interests of animals and protects the interests of um, biodiversity of wildlife in the United States. And so I would not be able to like live in DC for three whole months. Um, and so I was able to work for them remotely and I was able to file, it was like the coolest thing I did all summer was file a petition for the Mako sharks, um, both longfin and shortfin to be um, considered to be put on the endangered species list. Ooh. And believe it or not, Mexico has actually extended way more protections than like the United States has. But believably so, the United States hunts for sport a lot and Mako sharks are the fastest sharks. And so capitalism, once again, yeah. is not <laughs> yeah. connected. That's really um, interesting. Yeah. I never, many? when you think of like um, predator animals, you never think of their ability to be endangered. By humans. Yeah, but also I think, right. I think that that's the thing about like, Okay, white supremacy, am I right? Um, lets us, leads us to believe that the things that we deem as scary are not like worthy of like continuation. Mm -hmm. um, so like it, when you put two and two together, first it's like a shark and then it's like, yeah, a shark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it makes perfect sense. God, humans. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, how neat. So um, Andrea sort of segueing into a really smooth segue into talking about dreams. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so um, we're sort of just curious, tell us about your, in general, like relationships with dreams. Um, are they constant? Do you typically dream? Um, what are those, or is there like a through line or just how do you, what's your relationship with dreams? Well, I've usually, generally, um, I do have pretty vivid dreams. Sometimes I wake up and I, don't really remember them, but I'll remember like how I felt coming out of them or I'll have like a mm -hmm. feeling all day kind of a thing. Um, and other days, depending on how, I guess, impactful the dream was to my subconscious, I'll wake up and I'll like remember every little detail. Um, and when I was younger, I would write them down because my grandmother, um, my maternal grandmother would sometimes, you know, tell me like what they would mean. And I don't know if she always knew what they meant, but she would, you know, say something to it, get me going through the day. Um, but as I've gotten older, I've kind of just been like, I've kind of brushed it off. I have like other things to get on my mind that I'm like, okay, I don't really need to like be thinking about the dream. But I would say that generally I do have pretty detailed dreams and sometimes they don't make any sense at all. And other times it's um, my childhood home, like in Laredo, or it's things mm -hmm. that are more relatable to me. And other times I have no idea what the heck I just mm -hmm. dreamt. Like concrete images. Yeah. And things that I that I know that places that I've been. Sometimes you know you have a dream and you're like I have no idea where I'm at, kind of a thing. But it kind of mm -hmm. looks familiar. There's other places that I'm like, okay, this is my house. Like I know my house, or like I am in a certain street, my school, and things like that. Mm -hmm. There, we've talked about this like a couple of times. But there's like a theory that you cannot create people, um, and that mm -hmm. every person that you dream of, you have at least seen once in your life and I wonder if it's also the same for like places if it's like okay well this element of this like room that I was in once and then like this place that I went and then the Walmart that's down the street from my childhood home like coming together to create this like compilation of places I wonder like I, I just wonder if that's true 
it's not necessarily relevant but i'm curious no that that sort of tracks because you know especially with coming out of dreams you feel you're feeling more of the essence of the places so you're like mm -hmm. and it's like you said andrea you, you come out of the dream typically feeling the feeling so it's like it's almost like you pull all of these essence like a whisper of places together to create this then can like really disjointed confusing mash that you are then something's happening during you know that's just the setting is this like disjointed place uh and feelings that you then have this dream in like a liminal space almost yeah yeah um so do you like so is there anything like so i don't really i don't dream that often i don't find that i am like a I, I don't feel like I have a ton of dreams all the time. Are you like, is it pretty regular that you have dreams? Is it like almost nightly or is it like? I would say so. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes it's like they're comforting dreams and other times it's like Grant. Well, Grant's a pretty heavy sleeper. So like, even if I wake up crying, he'll like, I have to like literally hit him and be like, I'm crying, <laughs> please like come to me. Um, but like, there are some times where like, I've been, I guess, in a deep sleep and like not having a good time that he'll like wake me up and be like, you were having i don't have night terrors i wouldn't call them i like but i'll very randomly have like a really horrible awful dream and sometimes i can't even like remember what it was about but i just like i feel so ugly that i'm like i didn't like that um but sometimes i can't even remember what they were about because grandma will be like so what what was it and i'm like i don't know but i need to cry <laughs> just to say <laughs> cry. <laughs> cry uh, yeah i wonder if um I wonder if your dreams sort of take over this like sort of subconscious like stress relief or like not that's stress exactly relief, but like thinking. that's like maybe that's how you just like get it all out. But I'm sure terrifying waking up in the middle of the night too. Well, if 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 you if he does, he said he's a heavy sleeper. So. Usually, <laughs> do you ever feel like um, I? Okay, so when it comes to law school specifically, I feel like. Um, school in general there are times in which it's like I'm having a good time because everything around me is fun my workload is easy and I feel sure of myself and then there are times when you're like I'm having an awful time I feel like I can't connect anybody because my stress is making me sit outside of myself the workload is a little excruciating and I am experiencing discomfort do you find that like it's a spectrum, honestly. Like it's not like black and white. So if you're like anywhere like closer to one end versus the other end of the spectrum, you think that your dreams are affected by like your school stress? Or do you think that it's just, I guess a constant in your life that like sometimes you have uncomfortable dreams? Well, thus far in my life, I have always been in school except for the three years I worked at a law firm. And I think working at the law firm might have been worse than being at school because I saw like the real life, you know, impact that my work had. Like either you do a good job and you help someone or you do a crappy job and like, you know, their life literally, their livelihood depends on it. Um, and so while I was not in school, that was the lowest I was, Ryan, you might remember, I was like tiny, tiny, like a, I've never been in size zero in my life. Okay, like I'm Latina, I have bones, I have big bone structure for the most part, but I was a size zero. Um, Cause I just, I couldn't bring myself to eat. And so now that I'm in school, I say I thrive in high pressure as like most academic students do, but like, no, I'm just conditioned. No. To get to. Um, <laughs> so I am sure now that you bring up that point that my dreams probably are an escape to that. And now that we were in, you know, a quarantine setting and I couldn't, 
connect with classmates and bounce off legal work. It was really, it took a, a toll for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine. I feel like also a lot of times when it like, when we're assessing stress basically, and we're trying to figure out like how to deal with it. School stress, honestly, school stress is a farce sometimes because it's like, I have all this stuff to do, but you also had a syllabus (laughs) that like lays out that you like, you know, when this stuff is due, but like life doesn't give you a syllabus as Mm -hmm. corny and awful as that sounds but like you get thrown curveballs like things come up like new things become priority and you have to like juggle instead of like a lot of times in school it's like well I have this party that I want to go to and this paper I need to write and it's like how do I how do I do this or it's like I need to make time to find an internship and I have this test I have to take. But like your constant is always that you can return to the syllabus to know your time frame, how long you have, you can lean on your classmates. But a lot of times like in the real world, you like don't have those options. And I feel like the stress that I thought that I personally was experiencing while I was in school is not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. So I like understand um, in a way not exactly like how working in a place especially that has such a high impact on like people's freedom can like really just take you outside of yourself yeah and no wonder too that you dream so often and frequently like with all the sort of high stress situations or like sort of like you know high stress environment that you sort of in it's like those really are there to help or we've sort of found i think throughout doing you know throughout interpreting the dreams that they really are there to help sort of parse out like what you're feeling and what needs to happen next I think now that you guys have brought this up and I'm like thinking about it so in law school basically all you're doing is like you're learning how to think like a lawyer and so they just give you a bunch of case law and like scenarios of like hey what would you do and so I think as I read them sometimes there's obviously very like sad stories and things that shouldn't have like been ruled on incorrectly and that they did anywho. So I think that's a consciously also, I'm like taking all of that in and then maybe like changing facts around and like dreaming about things like that, which sometimes can be helpful. But other times it's like, especially again, like with COVID, I feel like there was no line for like a work-life boundary. Like there was no such yeah. thing as like working from home. It was literally, what was it? Working at home or something like that. It was I don't remember what it was called, but it was just like, you're literally always at work now. Like it was like, there was no way to shut it off. Mm-hmm. And so I felt that and I still feel that sometimes. I didn't even I mean, consider like that, that switch and like how that probably definitely has affected almost every single person's ability to, well, maybe not ability, but just like the way that they are forming their dreams. Yeah. Places they normally wouldn't, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm. so um yeah interesting so like so talking so okay so you've had we know you have almost sort of nightly dreams what about your history with the sort of like premonition-y we're using that word but it's like (laughs) well I don't like I want to use that word but you know lightly it's not like you know because I'm not you know I think what you're looking for um I think or what might be effective to use in this particular case, like considering um, Andrea's dream is clairvoyance, um, is 
an option, I think. Um, but also at the same time, I kind of hesitate to say that because you, in your dream, the vibe was not necessarily you seeing exactly what was about to be the future. Um, it was just like a feeling. I think there might be another word for just like being able to feel that like the vibe is off. Um, well, I guess like because even, that is essentially what that's what I got from your dream is that like you were like, mm, hold up, hold up, something something is changing. Like mm-hmm. almost like almost like when you're in a pool by yourself and you're standing still, but then you feel the water ripple and you're like, no, like what what just entered the water? What jet just turned on? Like there's something that has like pierced my like I guess boundary of myself within this particular situation. And I think that that is kind of what that dream was in a way. It's like your, if we get really woo woo with it, your higher self somehow reaching out to you and being like, hey girl, hey, but not even necessarily just, um, telling you what to prepare for. I guess just even as an or empath, like it was very empathic, the dream, like that's sort of more feeling. Yeah. You sort of are picking up on those feelings. So <laughs> with all those words and ideas around have there been dreams before <laughs> where you have like have had that empathic moment or like had that like oh vibes are off before vibes or as like vibes were transitioning or things like that or is this really your first sort of experience with that personally this is my I would say this is my first experience that I can like remember I don't think I think I would remember if I did before mm-hmm but my mom, and I don't know if this is maybe like genetics, but like when I was in my car accident, so I have a scar that goes up, I don't know if you can see it, but it goes up my head um, from a drunk driver that T-boned us when I was in fourth grade. Um, my parents were divorced. And so my mom was in Oklahoma for a business meeting. And this happened like during the evening. My parents don't speak at all. Like they cannot, they're not civilized to speak to each other. Um, but- like that. <laughs> and so my dad made his friend call my mom and be like hey the, the kids were in an accident right which was like i mean sir but my mom least. swears that that night she could not sleep because she she had this really bad feeling and that every time she would try to go to sleep she just saw bad things happening to my brother and i and that morning she got a call from my dad's friend that was like that hey wild. come back and she was like what happened he was like you just need to come back my mom was like they're dead like they're dead because like they he wouldn't say but my brother's fine. He just got some bruises, um, but I just had like 36 stitches up in my head. And my mom swears like that night, she just like, she knew something was wrong with like her children. And so when I told her this about Gabo, cause I woke up with Grant telling me, your mom called me cause she couldn't call you. I was like, really? So then when I called my mom, I was like, I had a, like a really ugly, sad feeling in my dream and when I woke up Grant was like trying really hard to be like loving and soft and just like pay attention because that's something really important to tell you so that's when my mom was like well, remember I had that like that experience too and I was just like mm-hmm. like literally no words and we were just kind of like it's, it's like maybe like my mom always said it was like a women's intuition or a mother's intuition but I was never super super close to Gabo because he lives in Mexico um but he is my aunt's um, husband and my aunt to me is like the older sister I never had. She's 15 years older and I am 15 years older to my youngest sister. Um, And so she always like babysat me when my mom had to like be doing things. 
And so we just had like more of a sister connection. So I think with Gabo dying, it just kind of hit me like a, I don't know, like if she was more than just like an aunt and stuff like that. But me and Gabo personally never had like a, like a really like a deep connection. Mm -hmm. The connection was more so with my aunt. So I don't know what that means. Well, I think That's even, really I mean, yeah. And just that power, the power of just like empathy and love, I think too. I mean, you, you there's the saying where like, you know, if somebody's in a accident around the world, their lover, like, or, you know, some, like they get the feeling or, you know, they, so it's like, it's, it's really wild that your mom has had sort of that experience before in this sort of like almost mirrored reflection of, um, Mm-hmm. of what you just had, you know, of what you had um, with Gabo too. So that's really interesting. I think this might have been the first time that we have like um, said Gabo's name um, in this recording. So I just want to reiterate that like, may he rest um, and that it is unfortunate. And this is not us like sensationalizing what happened to him at all. Um, we do not take lightly that you shared your dream with us. We really appreciate like you even considering sitting down with us today to talk about this. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that, number one. Number two, I hope that this doesn't sound irrelevant and weird, but you said you had 36 stitches in your head. And the first thing I thought was nine, which is three plus six is nine. And nine in numerology is the number of isolation. And I think it's, I think that that moment that your mom had that dream. We don't know your mom. <laughs> um, so I know your it's mom. not I like appropriate I know your for- mom a little bit. <laughs> I don't know your mom. <laughs> um, so I don't think it's like appropriate to like, like there's no way for me personally to know like how many dreams you've had like this. Um, but that thought that that moment resulted in nine stitches, which also is connected to your mom's restlessness in this particular dream, it's, it almost seems like a torch passing. Like if if I were writing a script, I would like be like, and that's the moment that Andrea became a witch. Um, and I think, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, first of all, magic is real. Okay, if this podcast teaches you anything, magic is real, um, number one. Number two, I, I'm very, very intrigued by the thought of like the, what seems like based off of what you've explained to us, like the women in your family having this ability to receive this energy in these like low-key dire times. Um, but also, I don't know. I don't necessarily know how to like wrap that up, but I just like, it just got my brain turning. I'm just like, I wonder like if like we got you, your mom and like your mom's mom, your grandma on here, if they would all be like, yeah, I had this dream. Yeah, I also had a dream like this. Um, and just to see like these things line up, especially because it is directly in line with the safety of your family. And I think that that, I don't know, it's like, it's really beautiful. It's like a little off-putting as magic always is, but it's also really beautiful because it's like that connection that you all have to each other um, is energetic and very strong. No, definitely. I have, my grand, my maternal side of the family is very different than my side of the family and I've always felt that my maternal side of the family was much more understanding like inclusive empathetic and things like that and so I wonder if they're just more in tune with you know the 
the times and the humanity itself, I just feel like they are, I come from a line of like teachers and educators, but more so of like truth and things like that. And my grandmother, like mm-hmm. growing up was always like, she has this very correct understanding of um, the American education system. And so my parents brought me here because they were like better opportunity, right? My parents are immigrants, um, but my grandmother has always been like, I don't want you to like, you know, learn things that she doesn't want me one to forget where I came from, but to also not forget mm-hmm. that like the way that we are taught things isn't the only way that we are taught things, right? And so right. She, it's really where and I said magic is real. My grandmother in Spanish always told me the quote, those who don't believe in magic will never find it. And so <laughs> right, and so like always be Beautiful. open. Like I am, I feel like for that reason, I am always I wasn't always like this, like to the public, but mm-hmm. I've always tried to just be. Oh, like understanding. And I think that's what really drew me to Faust was that it was just so different than anything I had ever seen that I was like, there's more to one way than learn. And we're going to just throw ourselves into this. Yeah. I just want to um, reiterate for our international followers. I was just about Faust, to say. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Cause you live there. I think it's <laughs> yeah. better for you to do it. Uh, Faust is one of the residence halls on campus at UNCG. Um, it's a dorm that holds what I think 120 students um, uh, three floors very close it's um and it's a residential college community so you take classes inside of the dorm there are clubs and things like that uh, social activities that you host and that's like student-led that you host inside of the dorm um so that's where that's where I met that's where um Chelsea went to Faust. That's where a lot of people in a lot of circles, uh, at least at UNCG, you know a lot of people or um, Faust introduces you to a lot of different people, um, different in a good way, different in a, different in a different way. Um, but you know, it's, it does create um, amazing relationships and lasting memories. It's both the, the best of times and the worst of times. Um, I know so I'm yes, outnumbered here, to... but I just want to say somebody who did not live in Faust uh, that the it was very obvious that y'all um it was almost like clickish a little bit but not necessarily in a bad way well I think that it had the potential to be but like that community I've noticed that more often than any other residence halls that there were so many um specifically like on that street there were like four or five and then there there are a grip it's a very slowly a large campus it's almost like 20,000 students I think um that is the only residence hall that I've seen like lifelong friends come out of, which I think is interesting. Like, I think it's interesting that like we have done this podcast for however long and a lot of the dreams that we've received have come from people that Ryan knows from this dorm. Um, so I just want to put that out there for folks who are not from the city that we're from. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. It's, it really does create um, a lot of a lot of amazing relationships. I mean, and I'm thinking now I'm trying to do the math, but I don't think, um, let's see, I graduated high school in 2013, which is, so yeah, seven years. So I think, what is it? If you're friends with somebody, for, or if you know somebody for seven years or something like that, you'll know them forever or whatever. Um, really? So I think, I think we're there. <laughs> so yeah, so that's cool. That's um, good to know. Yeah, it's, it's something oh. about, I yeah, something about that seven years, like if you are, friends with somebody that long then like it's, you'll know forever sort of a thing it's like it'll last forever 
yeah that's really sweet I'm just thinking about like how long I've known all my wives <laughs> yeah I had, I had a count for that I was like wait <laughs> um, um <laughs> all right so, okay, so to circle back yeah um, circling back so to also one thing that I got now understanding more about your relationship with your aunt um and thinking about in the dream this moment in which you wear her shoes and that's when you feel that's when the vibe becomes truly off um I think that 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 connection is I like goosebumps like I love it I had like there's no other way to like describe the that nocturnal which we've talked about this before um instead of using feminine and masculine to describe energies we're using nocturnal and diurnal but that nocturnal like positioning of like empathy is just unmatched um number one number two i am really curious to hear about if you remember any kinds of dreams that you had leading up to these this premonition of a dream um or like if you recall feeling i'm just gonna keep saying the vibe (laughs) the vibe like before you even had this dream no um i at the moment i do not remember but the week before um gavel passed away in the accident um my that was in april Oh, when is spring break? It's in March, but when is Easter? Easter is usually like the first weekend of April. Okay, this is in Mexico. Easter is Semana Santa, so their spring break is typically lands on Easter because mm-hmm. Mexico is Catholic and so they celebrate it. Um, anywho, so my cousins, um, my little cousins, and my mom was were supposed to meet um, my uncle, but they couldn't. Um, and in <laughs> foreign um, households, we use WhatsApp to communicate. And so I, because I'm in law school, I remember <clears throat> finals were coming up in May. And so usually like a month before I like turn off all my notifications for my texts and things like that, or I'll get sucked in on my phone. And so I had turned off all my notifications um, and God will had messaged me because my mom wasn't answering and he was just kind of wanting to know if she was going to be able to make it or not. But like, I had seen it too late. So what, by the time the accident happened and I went back, I just like was like, dang, like my missed opportunity to talk to him. But also I was like, when was the last time I like spoke to him? And then it just got like sad. But um, my aunt, Monica, um, I don't know if this is, well, maybe it might be relevant, but my aunt Monica, when I was born, my mom had just been living in the United States for two years. My mom self-taught herself how to get like a job and things like that in the U.S. My mom um, certified to be a teacher in Mexico, Um, but she couldn't transfer those credentials over to the United States. It was like basically go back to school or do something else. And she couldn't go back to school with a child because she didn't have anyone to take care of me, except for the summers when my aunt was out of school and could come watch me. Um, And so I wonder if once I got thinking about the dream, my childhood, I was born in 94. So like the nineties, right? Like the, the mm-hmm. fashion was like, was coming back now, like the platform, like Steve Madden. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. so vividly, my aunt was in her early twenties at that time. Um, no, she was in her teens. Yeah, she was like in her teens, getting into her early twenties. And so she would dress as teens do now. Um, and she had like the bell bottom, not the bell bottoms, but you know, like the wide leg pants and the 
mm-hmm. the platforms. And so anytime we would go to any store, all I knew was that if I saw platforms, I needed to find her size and I needed to take them to her so that she could see them. Um, and so when I was in the dream and I like saw the platforms, like instantly I went, I think to this place of, I don't even know how to like word it in English. I can think about it in Spanish because I was saying, but essentially she was the, like the only thing I knew for safety purposes growing up um, because once my parents split, my dad was an asshole. And so my mom had to like get a job. She had to get multiple jobs to like basically provide. And so all I had was my grandmother and my aunt. Um, and so, like I said, I, don't, I didn't have a deep connection to Gabo, but I almost felt as if though like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, I felt like I had lost someone, even though like he wasn't like that directly connected yeah. to me. And um, it was like a really specific feeling. And I hadn't really like felt that before. And I don't want to feel that anytime soon. Um, yeah. yeah. But I don't know where, where it came from, but I just distinctly remember that was like the one thing I can remember from my childhood is her platform shoes. And that's like really the only thing that I gravitated to in the dream to try them on. Um, and there was a very specific pair too, that it was, it was not a pair that she owned. It was just a pair that I remember from like being younger. Cause they were like the brat shoes to me, which is huge. I mean, you're like, to me, it just like, but yeah, ch- just chills. I mean, like I, like, it almost feels like you are, like you had the dream to help carry some of that loss you know I mean like because you did lose somebody I mean as you know you say you you know you weren't that close to him but I mean like you were related to him or you know like or even through marriage so like you did know this person and um so it's still a loss but I just like that you know being there for your aunt in that way or like even subconsciously or in your dream um just to me feels like you were you know you're there to like help carry some of that, you know, for her or to help her through that, you know, in order to sort of help her through in the way that she's been there for you all of, you know, all of your life. So I don't know, that's, again, I don't know where to go with that, but that's just sort of um, what a powerful sort of feeling to have. I think that um, capitalism, (laughs) capitalism teaches us that um, there's a certain proximity that you have to have to tragedy in order to rest um i think that it continues to perpetuate that like if we are not the partner if we're not the child if we're not the parent that like grief is expected to be handled either silently or quickly and it makes us feel guilty for whatever process we're trying to figure out um Oh, if you um, are feeling like you would like to take a break, we can take a break. Um, or if you want to turn your camera off so that you can like process, um, please like do what you need to do. Um, but I just to like kind of wrap up what I'm saying is that like when someone who is within like your, I kind of want to say purview almost, but like you're not necessarily able to think of a lot of moments in which you were incredibly close to them. It feels almost like, I'm speaking from experience. I, I'm not necessarily trying to project onto you, but it feels like I'm making a mockery of other people's grief because like, why would I be sad? Like I didn't make a lot of attempts to talk to this person. I like 
don't know their favorite color. Like there are these things that I'm like, well, somebody who loved them would know this, but that doesn't mean that like you don't love them. And also like your love for someone else can be just as like monumental, monumental in like processing your grief for someone close to them. That's comforting. That's really comforting. Thank you. Because I think subconsciously, yeah, I was like, you don't deserve to be super sad about me. Like to some degree, you deserve to be sad about it because he was family and he leaves behind two very small right. children that I feel for. Um, but I, like my mom, Katia Osvaldo, like they all were able to go to like the celebration of life in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have school and even though it would have been virtual, like I felt like I couldn't take the time off, which like in retrospect, it's like, I could have taken the time off, right? But, I really feel that. Um, and it's just kind of like, I feel like I may have been beating myself up for like not being able to be there and still feeling like mourning, like the mourning part of it. So that's comforting to know that like, you know, like I do deserve to, to feel what I feel. Doesn't matter if I didn't know his favorite color. <laughs> right, him. exactly. I, I just, and I just, I just want to say thank you again. I mean, what a, what a, what a dream to share. I mean, like what, a, you know, so thank you for being so open and vulnerable and like letting us talk about it and, you know, on air and sending it out to the world and doing, and coming back again to do it now. I know Yovana said thank you earlier, but I, it's just, I, it, it really is very personal. And I really, I mean, from the, I'm glad we can be here for you and talk to you with it um, or about it and the dream. And, um, and I'm, yeah, I'm just very thankful that you sent it in and shared. So I just wanted to say that again. I'm thankful that you guys have provided this environment where I can, where I feel comfortable talking about it because I mean, I've talked about it with Grant, but like, I mean, that's really the extent of me talking about mm-hmm. um, this in general. So you guys are basically like, I'm word vomiting onto you, so I apologize if I ramble, but no. <laughs> I appreciate you guys taking the time to like also listen to me and interpret, you know, or give me some some insight onto things that I maybe would not have, you know, considered and things like that, which like I said, those who don't believe in magic won't ever find it. And so you guys are part of that magic being sprinkled on. Well, I feel like this oh. is probably a great like segue um, to talk about like the episode more like at length, like, um, you know it was it was our season finale um so it was like going out with a bang like really and truly and i am really curious as to like what you took away like listening back to the episode and like hearing these definitions back again and then thinking about that in conjunction to what you just told us wondering like how how it sits with you or like if when we described the dream definition for map if you were like you know what that makes sense like I'm, I just am curious to know like how our interpretation fed into like what you were already thinking. Well, I think I may have texted you this, Ryan, while I was listening to the um, the podcast. But Ivana, you brought up the point of Need for Speed about the maps. I mean, if I ever played it, me and my brother played it religiously. It's the only game we had in my course. It was a boy game, right? But we didn't care. Um, so maybe I think that's where it came from quite possibly was that need for speed game. I didn't even like put that together. Um, and um, I, let me see, I texted Ryan with a lengthy thing. 
Let's see. The Need for Speed really did make me laugh because I had known that, I mean, I know that your dad works on cars, sells cars, you know, you, Formula One, right? Not NASCAR, but Formula yeah. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, a different, we don't talk about NASCAR. <laughs> um, <laughs> I told you Formula One was cooler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cooler, it's cooler. <laughs> so yeah, so the, the Need for Speed, that just, um that made sense a lot that it made sense <laughs> so i don't remember i don't know if you guys have this written down but i don't remember what cards you pulled for me necessarily but i know that i put Ooh. in my text to ryan that upon reflection of the card reading i think a message i need to dissect is that it is okay for me to walk my own path and try not to fit into a box of anyone else's expectations for myself especially as a law student um so I, I want to let go of the expectations my dad has of me and being successful in the legal field. Because I think mm -hmm. my dad has this idea of like big law, like lawyers make a lot of money, like doing all this stuff. And I'm like, well, what kind of law I want to do because it make a lot of money. It's public interest. Um, and um, the expectation that my mom has of me of settling down and starting a family and producing babies. And I'm just like, I'm in a six year, about to be in a six year long relationship. And although I love this man, my priority right now is not to marry him and to have his children. So, period. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, one of the big things coming up on, I'm on my last year of law school, I'm going to hopefully graduate in May. You will graduate in May. I will graduate in May. Hopefully pass the bar. <laughs> you will. No, no, no. no you no. will pass the what bar. Okay. Can you, can you repeat the quote from your grandmother again? Those who do not believe in magic will never find it. So none of this hopefully <laughs> bullshit. Stop that. When when you pass the bar. When I pass the bar exam. So you take the bar in July, but you don't know until October. So it's just kind of like this excruciating process of waiting. <laughs> Why would they do that to you? Who, um, is it the way they grade? It's graded? Three years of gatekeeping. That's all it is, honestly. Like, I hate this place. Uh -oh. I hate you. Um, but yeah, it's basically <laughs> meant for people to like kind of give in, give out, and try to do something else or find a job. Um, in the meantime, while you're trying to get your score that's not attorney related and maybe get stuck there, it's a shit show. Wow. Dark underside of law school. No, it's Elle Woods left out some disclaimers. Okay? I was literally about to say, Elle Woods <laughs> never told me that. <laughs> she left out some disclaimers, but other things were true. Um, but just as this being my last year of law school, like it's kind of hitting me, like people are starting to get like job offers, right? Like set up for like after graduation and things like that. Um, and I also chose St. Mary's because they have a big public interest sector, um, bigger than like the schools I was considering, which thank God I didn't end up going to like, I'll tee all shade to UNC or like UVA or like a big school like that. Cause I feel like their priorities are elsewhere right now. Um, right. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are like, well, I came to law school to make money and I'm like, well, great for you. Great for you. Um, but I think that like this being my last year, it's really like kind of hitting me. Like you have to decide on something. You need to pick something. And I'm torn between people say, well, if you go for like a good paying job, then you can save up and do what you want to later. Otherwise you're like scooping out of like an empty something that's empty. Um, right. <laughs> but I'm like, I do, I, I'm not willing to compromise like my morals. Like I don't want to work for like big law because we don't put profit over people. We put people over profit here. Um, and so I know that if I went into public interest, like, how do I put this? Yes, I won't be making a lot of money, 
I might not be super happy because I'm not making a lot of money and I'm like trying to juggle everyone's problems plus my own. But I feel like that's the only way to actually like have meaningful impact. And so I'm struggling with like, do I want financial security? Like, did I come to law school to actually help people? Or did I come to law school to like feel financially secure? You get me? And so a lot of people, especially in a freaking private law school are like, well, duh, like financial security. Like it's not, it's a no brainer, but it's like, that's like, that's not really why I came. And so now that we're kind of transitioning back to in-person and we're getting those opportunities to once again, volunteer in person and to like have clinics in person. Um, clinics, for example, in my law school can range from like immigration to like helping people file for citizenship or clinics to help um, people who are suffering from um, homelessness, maybe get an ID um, to be able to like get access to um, housing or shelter and things like that. So like it ranges. And so now, because we were in COVID and virtual times, a lot of marginalized groups do not have access to Zoom. So how are we gonna hold, people were like, well, we just hold like Zoom clinics. It's like, that's not how that works. Like people cannot Zoom in for like help, like they need help in person. And so I lost, I feel like a lot of my momentum and motivation to like want to keep helping when we had those opportunities taken from us. But now that we're back in person, um, hope I will get re-inspired to um, just like, keep pushing on and to just do the work. I feel like a lot of people are also put off by the work because it's look, not looked down on, but it's kind of like pro bono. It's seen as like pro bono because you're essentially not getting a lot out of it. Um, but I, for example, in disaster law, was fighting for a man who was 83 years old living under a tarp roof because FEMA would not give him the funds for a new roof because he couldn't prove that he owned that house because he didn't have the proper documentation because he thought that when his parents died immediately like the will goes into effect and he gets that land not that you need to go record it right because like who knows they need to go record that stuff and so it's just like the law obviously works as you guys know against people in like the most nuances of ways and like the smallest thing could literally like change someone's life or offer them a better yeah. option than they otherwise yeah. had and so that's what truly I guess motivates me and inspires me is that if not me who which sometimes it's kind of like also take a rest because there are other people that want to help um but at the end of the day like I said St. Mary's is the only law school really in the southwest region and most people end up graduating and either going up to like the bigger cities like Dallas, Austin, Houston um but I am struggling with do I want to stay here and obviously make an impact in my community that raised me which is like the Rio Grande Valley or do I want to go back to like North Carolina? Right. Which is like the big question right now for me. Yeah, I'm sure. Honest, like, I want you to come. My dad's like, I want you to stay. And I'm like, well, it's, well, it's not about what y'all want though. Right. It's about right. what I want. I really, I really feel that as like, I don't work in um, law, <laughs> obviously, um, but I work, I work in the arts. Um, which a lot of people don't realize there's so many opportunities for equity in the arts because there's so little of it. And the work that I do, I find that people are like more, what people think is like a moneymaker. Um, I'm like, it's a moneymaker because it upholds white supremacy. I'm like, the reason why these things are like buying people vacation homes and doing this, this and that is because it's unequal. 
And I think that a lot of people have a hard time understanding like what's the harm in inequity because they're like, well, like, do you want to be broke? It's like, bitch, nobody wants to be broke. (laughs) Like, like um, that question that you like pose to yourself of like, what is important to me? Um, One, another thing about like revisiting this quote from your grandmother is that, you know, if you build it, please stop. If you build it, it'll come <laughs> um, in a way. Um, and, and I just think that like, as long as you like stay true to yourself, you'll be fine. And I know that like sounds stupid and dumb, but like, that's how manifestation works. Like I own prize, I own the prize. Um, okay. So I, another strange way to segue, um, unless you have something you want to say, Ryan. No, I was going to say, I think that actually works into potentially the card clarification or just getting some, um, getting some like yeah just clarification to use that word again on i don't know the future maybe what's next or um or how to stay true to you even or just some just some messages from what the cards say is that where you're going yeah um i want (laughs) to like take a quick break to shuffle um and also to give my dog a snack you want a snack (laughs) because she's being a bitch um, so I'm going to give her a snack um, to kind of keep her from being so rowdy so that we can go uninterrupted. Um, this will also give Andrea time to think about like what she would like out of the tarot part of our tarot and testimonials. Um, so we will be gone for what probably will be the length of a length of a commercial and then we'll be right back. Yeah, uh, let's do it. <laughs> do you want your dream to be featured on our podcast? Do you have a recurring dream that drives you wild? A sex dream that leaves you feeling dirty? A nightmare that makes you feel guilty? Head over to www.wildestdreamspodcast.com and click the submit tab. Once you're there, fill out our form and submit your dream as text. Prefer to send audio? You can always drop us a line at our email, submit at wildestdreamspodcast.com. Each week, we'll feature one dream that we'll try our damnedest to decipher. It's listeners like you that keep our dream alive. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so originally we had planned to kind of talk with Andrea a little bit and see what direction she would like us to pull in, basically, and like how we can really point these messages um, to be as relevant as possible. And also, we've just been receiving so much context through this, um, which changes the nature of this reading, but, um, something happened. Yeah. So messages galore. I was shuffling during our break and, um, like on my second shuffle, some cards came out and I was like, okay, well that was probably just me. So I'm just going to put those back real fast. Um, and then I was shuffling, shuffling, shuffling again, and cards jumped out again. And the same card jumped out twice now, which is the sun. Which also, when I was shuffling, jumped out of my deck. Um, So I I think it's interesting. Um, First of all, tell the people what you're reading with. Oh, so um, for this, for Andrea, I'm reading with the uh, White Newman is Sacred Animal Tarot. Uh, which is what uh, you gifted to me this season. Yeah. Um, and I'm reading with the Neo Tarot, which is the self-care um, focused tarot. And I think it's interesting that both of us 
got the sun, but you received it upright and I received it in reverse. Um, so I think that this is a really interesting moment of polarity, um, especially after talking about the way that you feel about what your parents want for you versus what you want for yourself. I feel like, also I had three cars fall out. Um, so I have the six of pentacles upright and then I had the sun in reverse. And then I have, if I can pick it up, the eight of cups upright. And for the sun in reverse to be in the middle of this, to me, it seems like one hand, it's you following their request. And on the other hand, it's you following your own um, desire. And the for the six of pentacles in my mind to be following their request, because six is a number of like nostalgia, but it's also trauma. So when we talk about um, the six of pentacles, it's a lot of like, it's like duty that we feel that we have to stay true to. Um, but then for the sun to be in reverse to the right of that shows that like your game will be virtually non-existent by like letting other people make decisions for you. Um, and then for on the flip side of that to be the eight of cups, which in this particular deck, it's someone walking away from what we cups uh, we understand is like emotional fulfillment and like community from someone walking away from that emotional fulfillment um, and eight is also the number of abundance so there's this idea that like your comfort will come from you following your own path um and i just i know that we haven't like you haven't had a chance to like talk at all yet but i just am really excited to see how the rest of this reading is going to like unfold because this is it seems like you're already on this path basically yeah Ryan, what does your um, your pocket guide say about the sun upright? Um, so yeah, so it's interesting to, because I just, so I only had two cards pull out, but then um, I pulled a third just to get that third. Um, so I pulled the sun and then the nine of wands. What's interesting to me already about these two Ooh. cards is that they're reversed themselves. The two women on mm -hmm. these are walking in different directions. Um, so yeah. just to pair those you know, together. That's just like interesting in the imagery of that itself. Um, but the sun, you know, movement, development, unstoppable. Um, just a young woman calmly leaps forward accompanied by a sky spirit on either side. She's got two little crows with her. Um, in her hand, the sun appears in the form of a charm. It's light shining down to illuminate the half shadowed world. Uh, just as ancient rituals were thought to bring the sun afresh to the sky every day, it is her joyous task to return the sun to the sky and reawaken the world, an act of enlightenment, both deeply personal and profoundly universal. Okay, not me getting chills, because <laughs> is that not, does that not sound like everything that Andrea just described to us about her career goals? Yeah, I mean, like, I was, I mean, literally, it sounds exactly like what you're trying to do or what you want, you know, like the... Though even helping people, right? You're trying to illuminate half of the world. Um, all of those dum-dums in the dark, <laughs> you're trying to <laughs> enlighten, you know? So um, so yeah, it really does just feel like that is the sun. I mean, like, yeah, that card was absolutely representative of what you have going on. Um, and you said your other card was the nine of wands? The nine of wands, yeah. 
Interesting um, because we talked about nine earlier when we talked about your stitches and your um your mom's ability to also have dreams that are premonitions. The cards, it's eerie a little bit sometimes at the end when the cards say exactly what we've you magic we've, is real <laughs> magic is literally real um so nine of wands with the lantern in hand the woman follows the path behind her there's a descending mountain and in front of it there are eight wands embedded in the ground her fixed stare and ready wand express her determination regardless of whether the wands are a resource or an obstacle she is ready to move ahead i'm gonna cry <laughs> i'm moving so with that being said too uh, the last card is um i think also representative um i pulled was strength where she's here i mean just like embracing a tiger i mean it's beautiful card (laughs) the insanity so so sweet keywords compassion courage self-control she embraces the beast, bringing a much sought rec- reconciliation. Gentle regret lingers on, his, on her face that this moment has been so long coming. A well-earned path of experience and self-knowledge has led to now, when what seemed other feared distrusted is now familiar and welcomed. Only through compassion and acceptance can these primal elements be recognized as truly part of the self. Now is the time that her passions serve her, rather she her passions. Oh, how does it feel to be divinely loved? <laughs> it's comforting. <laughs> it's so comforting. Because like most of the time I'm like, am I doing things right? Like, you know, like, am I, am I doing things right? And I, I believe in numerology. I'm like a big math person. And so I'll see, Grant makes fun of me all the time, but I'll see like one, 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 right? And I'm like, okay, it's like my intuition. I like trust my intuition. I just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And things like that. Or I'll see like four, 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 and I'll just be like, oh. And then I'll be like, okay, well, be, be authentic. And Grant's like, there's just, there's just numbers. And I'm like, no, I feel they're like never just anything. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's something deeper. And it's just, I, I don't have family in the United States. I mean, the family I have is North Carolina. It's my mom, my sister, my yeah. stepdad. And then I have my dad and my brother, two hours south. And so really it's just me and Grant um, through quarantine. And so I've been feeling really like, you know, am I, I came to Texas to like, you know, be around my family and to like come back to what was familiar. And I, because of COVID, you know, that did not happen, which is fine. Um, but I just always felt very like, I'm not sure if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. What if I like yeah. just stay in North Carolina and maybe try to do school there. And it's like, it's scary not knowing if you're doing the right thing. And so just kind of having the, these like small reassurances that like you're where you're supposed to be, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. It's just, it's so comforting. It's like, okay, it's, it's not all for nothing. Like it's all building up to, to be something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So just hang in there. Yeah. Hang Do in. you have like any questions that you want to ask or like, I mean, I feel like that was pretty clear. Um, I don't have <laughs> any lingering questions that I can think of. Um, other than just, I just have to, I guess, keep, Keep chugging along and trusting myself and knowing that what I want to do is valid and meaningful. So I don't need anyone to tell me it's not. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. This like is really a moment of like not only self-assurance, but like excitement. 
like there, the movement that you have initiated, that momentum is going to literally, that passion and that momentum is going to, both are going to carry you further than you probably thought that you would go, especially since you've already established that like, you're not in this for like, to build like wealth. Um, I, okay, you know, call me old fashioned, but I truly believe that like people that prioritize people over profit um, are, what's the word? I kind of want to say rewarded. Um, like the, More wealthy they're going to in be- a way. There are going to be things in your life that you're going to amass that come literally from the connections that you have built from being a normal good and like upstanding citizen, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, yes. I know it probably like seems like almost it sometimes it feels like virtue signaling to decide that like you want to do something for like the greater good. Um, but at the same time, if you were not doing this you probably wouldn't be able to sleep at night. And as like dramatic as that is, that, like there's oftentimes our truth, especially when we are fighting for equality and like trying to make it as easy as possible for other people to have fulfilling lives. Yeah, and often I remember at least the earliest memory I have with attorneys was when my parents were going through their own process of naturalizing. And I remember they were assholes. <laughs> and I was like, you're, like, you're literally like, your only job is to help you know, like my dad doesn't speak English and he's been living in the United States for God knows how long, 20, almost 30 years. And I'm sure he understands English, but he doesn't choose to speak it. And so, you know, stereotypically when you're trying to speak to someone in English and you can hear their broken English, some people will be like moody about it. And so my dad's always had that experience where like, he doesn't care how he sounds, um, but people are kind of like an asshole to him for that. And so I remember I was like, your one job is to literally guide these people through one of the most challenging aspects of like getting, you know, naturalization. The least you can do is like be freaking nice about it. And so most of the attorneys I've ever had to interact with have been assholes for the most part. So when I was like, when I was introduced to the legal field, I was like, mm, everyone was like, you should probably take an acting class. I, rem- I remember specifically at UNCG, I was like, I need to fill up some extracurriculars. Someone was like, take an acting class because lawyers are just full of shit. And I was like, fair. I suck at acting though, like terribly awful. And so um, when I found immigra- like immigration law outside of school, something that I wanted to pursue, I already forgot where I was going with this. I am so sorry. <laughs> um. Let's see. We're talking about fulfillment. Yeah, help over money. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I went into the immigration. Sorry. And then, okay, so coming back to um, St. Mary's, I had a talk with my dad and I told him what I wanted to do. Um, It's really relevant right now because of disaster law. Um, But when we're having that conversation, I feel like those people are coming and are seeking help or an advocate at one of their lowest points. They have lost things to the flood, to the hurricane. Um, they already have barriers working against them. They're marginalized groups that already can't even speak English. They have, they're undocumented. They have a fear of authority and for good reason. Um, and so I feel like if I was put on this earth for anything, it's to maybe, maybe make that experience more bearable. And like, there's already a bunch of asshole lawyers. Like I know sometimes I get, not made fun of, but I get told like, oh, I'm like super soft, which is funny because when Ryan first met me, I was like the complete opposite. 
I was like super hard and standoffish. Like I was just a bet <laughs> at the world. Um, but now I'm like, I try to be really soft and I try to understand people and like clients that people don't want to deal with because they think they're difficult. Oftentimes they're just frustrated because the system is working against them and nobody's listening. Um, and they just want someone to listen to them. And we get told all the time, you're not therapists, you're going to be lawyers. And it's like, I can be both. Um, if you need someone to like vent to for, in order for them to trust me to take on their case, then I will be a therapist. Um, and so I think finding my place in the world and making, no, I don't want to say like the, like the stereotypical attorney role is not what I want to be. And so I think finding a role that I can fit into as an attorney, but still be connected to my community, like that's the balance that I want to have. And I think that the only way I'm going to get to that is doing public interest. And so I think just having this talk and talking through that myself is like reassuring to know that that is totally worthy to do. And if it doesn't create it, like Ivana said, if it's not like already built, like then you're like going to build that. And so it already exists. I know there's attorneys in public interest that already do this, but it's just like, I would like to take that back. If I end up in Greensboro, I wanna like take that mentality back with me and maybe start something in Greensboro. Or if I stay here, then I will just plug into that. Um, but there's a lot of cool things. Um, that I feel like are going to come out more. Due to these poor circumstances, I feel like in the legal system, a lot of things are being shaken up and hopefully things will stick in the next coming decade <laughs> with the um, legal system. But I have kind of blind faith, I think, in more people trying to do more good than bad, but capitalism still makes freaking lawyers for big so. <laughs> but it I mean but it's like Giovanna was saying earlier where it's it's inspiring exciting any adjective you really want to throw in there to see people our age people a little bit older than us coming up realizing the power that we are almost in that like we are almost there we are almost in the place to affect change or we're getting to that place where it's all you know hopefully we can or things we're will change or we're, yeah yeah, yeah. We're work building, is being like, done Right. There's like a certain amount of work that undoubtedly has been laid by like folks that are older than us, but like with our like digital literacy capabilities, we are strengthening their foundation and then beginning to like build on top of it. Yeah. So maybe in 30 years, lawyers will look completely different. Hopefully it will look completely different and actually serve the public. (laughs) <laughs> you're just the you're just the start of that change andrea you're just the start of that initial push <laughs> um well uh thank you again i mean it sounds like the cards wait wait wait, wait. oh yeah you One go yeah more do it question. okay how do you feel like this experience we have to hurry up because my dog has to go outside how do you feel like this experience is going to change how you interpret and view your dreams in the future i think i'm definitely going to be more mindful of my dreams um dreams that i i have been doing this now dreams that like i, I feel a connection to i will sometimes either write it down really quickly or just like try to like find on google like what that meant um but i think now that I know that there is a connection, my subconscious and like my dreams and that I maybe bring on stress from like my real life into my dreams, I'm gonna be more mindful, more aware of like, are, is the universe trying to send me signs? Um, 
is it, you know, my higher self trying to send me a sign? But I think I'm going to try to be more in tune with what my subconscious is trying to tell me, because maybe it is my intuition trying to like, you know, guide me in one direction. And all I'm hearing in my reality is like one thing. And I just need that reassurance from myself in my subconscious that, you know, you're going to do what you want to do. Stick to it. So it's been really, really reassuring. And I am, I feel light, lighter almost, um, like just talking through it, like has put a lot of the questions I've had in my mind about like what I want to do leaving law school, kind of like at least they've settled for now. I'm sure they'll pop back up next semester, but they're, they're settled thoughts right now. So thank you. I mean, the cards with the cards, it really, <laughs> yeah, it really seems like you're in the right place in the moment. So yeah, thank you. And yeah, thank you. I cannot, can't say that enough, honestly. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> wow. I still, every time listening back to that um, card clarification, I mean, like, it's going to be it's so, it's so wild how accurate, Literally how spot so, on. It's so just like, wild. I also just want to remind listeners that all three of us are in completely different places. Ryan and I are about three hours apart in the same state. And Andrea is in a completely different state on the other side of the country. Like, synchronicities are very real. I... When we realized that we both had the sun, I'm so excited for Andrea's future. I, I don't know if I like, that's like, it's not inappropriate to say, but I don't know like how to really explain why I'm so excited other than like, if you were listening, if you were paying attention, I know you see it too. That's all I have to say. Yeah. If you are any bit like, present in being able to see potential I know that you saw what I saw mm -hmm. um I I'm so excited I'm, I'm once yeah. again very grateful to have had that time with Andrea yes I just want to say one more time thank you like a huge thank you to Andrea for being so open being so vulnerable dreams sending in your dreams is a vulnerable position because you're letting you know other people inside your head and you don't know what's going to come out of it um but to to send this even on top of that you know this sort of um the dream that andrea had it's just it's really meaningful um to be able to be a part of it to be able to have that conversation to be able to help andrea come to some realizations too and i'm just i'm very thankful that that is um that, that she that she shared that with us so andrea just once again from the bottom of our hearts thank you thank you thank you that um, was better than we could have hoped for as our first year on testimonials. Um, I'm yeah. so excited. Once again, this after this particular iteration will be Patreon exclusive content and we will not be putting this up on our um, normal streaming services. Or is that, am I saying that correctly? Y'all know so. what I mean. You can only get it from <laughs> one place. <laughs> okay. Um, so please bear that in mind. Um, and also if you have submitted a dream and you're interested in sitting in the hot seat, basically, um, go yeah. ahead and email us. Email us. Submit or um, at wildestdreamspodcast.com. 
we have a form on our webpage that you can shoot us um, just a little chat and conversation too. So visit our website, um, check out all of our features on there, our techs and decks we've updated. Yvonne has updated um, for the new season. So we have our new books and our new decks up there. Um, and yeah, shoot us a little message. Um, don't forget to follow us where you can rate, review and subscribe. They really do help all of those things. Um, they really help the podcast be seen, even just seen. Um, so that is, you know, exciting and helpful. And then if you can, um, yeah, go support us on Patreon where you'll get more exclusive content like this. Next week, we will be back to our regularly scheduled program. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So next week, we'll be pulling a dream out of um, some of the submissions that we received for the season. Um, and like I said, you know, if, if you like this, Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> um, hit us up on patreon yes so also um what will be available is the entire video recording of this interview um you know the animals make an appearance um andrea's be. house is cute um yeah she so. did, did you see the pattern did you see her pattern on yeah her she yeah. did that she did so that cute yeah that was so cute um yeah so if you want to get into the interior design of our spaces um <laughs> patreon is how you do it um yeah i i don't know if i have anything else to say to y'all i'm i once again i'm just filled to the room with gratitude i cannot believe where we have started i like listening back to our first episode and just even considering the sound quality versus <laughs> where we are right now it's been an incredible journey and we're very grateful that so many of you have been with us since the beginning and we're almost coming up to a year on the on the creation not necessarily the our first recording release, but on the creation we're coming up on a year now so we're in season three in season three we're in season three this is so <laughs> wild um so so first anyway of all, thank you to y'all um just a reminder to if you cannot or do not feel comfortable supporting us on Patreon because money is real and capitalism sucks, then <laughs> yes, please understand that there are free ways that you can support us. Writing us a review, especially if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, those reviews really help people understand um, why they should take time out of their day and spend it with us. Rate, follow, subscribe, share. Anytime somebody in your life says they had a dream if you Wouldn't call yourselves a friend of ours, <laughs> you will plug us, okay? Anytime you see somebody on your Instagram being like, I had a dream where I got carried away, you should DM them and be like, I listen to this podcast and then send them the link to our website. That is one of the best free ways that yep. takes less than five minutes out of your day to help make our dreams come true. And I just want to say shout out to Katie Beeman, who I know from UNCG, who right. got her friend to submit a dream. So it's possible. Even just submitting your dream, that's free. Yeah. Not emotionally, maybe, yeah. but it's free. <laughs> uh, every submission that we get ensures the longevity of this podcast. Yeah. Um, so there are so many ways to support us. Um, but don't worry, don't even if we run out of dreams, we'll figure out how to still be on air. You're oh, welcome. we're creative people. <laughs> you can't get rid of us that easy. Uh, all right. Well, with that being said, should we say goodnight? I guess. <laughs> all right. Well, until next week, everybody. Thank you again. Uh, and sweet dreams. Ooh.